My name's Jonathan, and I work with the team at tenofthose.com, and we're delighted to be sponsoring this season of the Two Sisters podcast. Tenofthose.com handpicked the best resources from across the publishers, and we road test them so we know that they hold to the Bible and they point to Jesus. It means when you shop on our store, you can have confidence that everything we're selling is true to the Bible and will help you discover Jesus for yourself. Whether it's for you, your friends, your neighbors, we want to get resources into your hands that hold to the Bible. And so we sell them at low cost with the idea that more books can go out. And then we use our profits to support missions around the world, particularly trying to support those who don't have the funds for the resources usually. So shop at tenofthose.com. As you do, you'll be supporting the Two Sisters podcast, but you'll also be supporting missions around the world. Welcome to Two Sisters and a Cup of Tea. My name is Felicity and I'm in the States and this is my sister Sarah. She's in the UK and we are delighted to welcome you to the first episode of season nine. We, as ever, are going to be opening up our Bibles, sipping a cup of tea, munching on a biscuit and getting into the book of Ecclesiastes. We're excited, aren't we, Sarah? So excited. It's really good to be back. It feels like it's been a long break and um, we are ready and excited to get into this. Absolutely. What is in your cup or on your munching plate? (laughs) I'm so glad you asked. Um, (laughs) I've got, so we both grew up in Dorset. I say both as in people might not know, we are actually sisters. And we grew up in a place called Dorset, which is on the south coast of England. Um, I've got some Dorset tea that I bought this summer. Dorset's kind of known for its kind of foodie nice things isn't it um so i went to the village farm shop and bought some dorset tea and it's foraged fruits and um i have to say it's very good i think a couple of years ago when we started this podcast i was quite skeptical of all the um kind of herbal fruit teas and thought nah not my thing but i'm a convert two years in and i'm i am loving this i'm still to be converted the fact that you chose foraged fruits from Mm. the from the farm shop what we're talking about farm shop is like very rural. It's very lovely, isn't it, really, Dorset? Mm. <laughs> and produces good tea. Well, good to know. I'm not sure about foraged because you don't really know where that's come from either, do you? Like it's just found. Foraged means found, really, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good F word, alliteration, foraged mm. foods. I mean, that makes a good name, doesn't it? It does, yeah. What have you got? <laughs> well, my greatest kind of revelation is what well, a sad thing that's happened this summer is that I've realised that I most likely shouldn't eat gluten which is problematic when you think about biscuits. But what I have in front of me is actually a surprisingly good gluten-free chocolate hobnob. Oh, a chocolate one. Yes. It's, just, it's interesting because the chocolate is on the bottom rather than the top. Did you know that actually that is how they make them? That is how we should eat hobnobs no. with the chocolate. Yes. Yes. I was reading the other day about it. <laughs> <laughs> what were you reading? Like hobnob weekly. What, what was it? <laughs> Something like that. But yes, they're actually made. That's, you know, controversial, isn't it? But you're, you're meant to eat them with the chocolate at the bottom. So you must feel like you're on this kind of um, journey of a whole new biscuit exploration without gluten. That's exciting, I think. It is exciting. I'm sure we have listeners out there who might be able to help me on this yeah. journey. What's the yeah. next step after the hobnob? That's the question, isn't it? Brilliant. Feed in if you if you know the if you know the answer. Yes, please. Okay, so we're getting into Ecclesiastes, Flisty. We're excited, aren't we? Um, 
but we're I think we're kind of we're coming at this not with the answers, but with a whole heap of questions. Would you agree? I wholeheartedly agree. We've taken on a challenge here. I feel like we say that most books, but this one, many questions. Yeah. It's been, I think so far it's been a humbling and challenging read. We're looking forward to it. It's kind of been marinating over our hearts in the summer, hasn't it? Um, but it is hard. It's not a succinct book that you can kind of understand quickly. And yet in it, it holds a kind of treasure trove of wisdom that we really need for navigating this world. Um, and we'd love you to come and join us on this journey and come and wrestle through the questions with us. That's that's what we're going to be doing as we walk through Ecclesiastes, isn't it? We're going to be wrestling through our questions, wrestling through the preacher's questions in this book and kind of just seeing where we get to. Absolutely. So we, as you say, Sarah, have spent a few weeks, a couple of months kind of marinating in this, but it's a good way of putting it. We've been kind of sitting it, coming back and forth to it amongst our summer activities. And We've obviously been in the book as a whole. Sarah, at this point, what is your initial takeaway from reading the book as a whole? Like, How have you been helped to get into it for yourself? Mm, that's a good question. I think for me, it's been the thing that the, the content and the form of the book seem to mirror life itself in that it's confusing and it's undulating and it's poetic and it's stark and I think more than that, that at the end of Ecclesiastes, we've got these kind of concluding words and they seem to shape the rest of the book, which kind of mirrors the preacher's main point that death and eternity shape the rest of life, if that makes sense. Um, so I think that's been something that's been really striking me as I've been reading through that I need the end of the book to help me understand the rest of the book. Um, so at the end of the book, he specifically talks about the value of the words within this book. Um, in So if you could turn to chapter 12, verse 10, he says, these words are true and they are wise. And they're like, he calls these words like goads in verse 11, which is like a prodding stick that shepherds use to keep their sheep in tow. Um, so he's kind of saying we need to be prodded to see the world as this preacher does. And these words bring clarity as well on what my response should be in verse chapter 12, verse 13. Um, and ultimately, these words prepare me for death and eternity. So I think I've been really helped by seeing that the end of the book shapes the rest of it. And that actually that really does mirror life as well. And that that excites me because I think there's a whole world to get into in this book in that way. How about you? Well, that is, yeah, that is interesting. And it, se it seems a little kind of somber, doesn't it, to be bringing in mm. death, yeah. <laughs> talking about the end things rather than the kind of right here, right now. But actually that being a key element that as we see that perspective, so everything else falls in. And I think that has been a thing. As I've been in the book, I have been struck by how recognizable this reality is mm -hmm. that the teacher presents to us, which is amazing. Every time I pick up the Bible and see something recognizable that I see in my everyday, I think, yes, that is that is really helpful because it reminds me that the God back in the Old Testament is the same God now, is the same world now. And so this is all relevant right now. And with this book, I thought it was just really clearly the world that I see before me, which mm. is not to say that um, it's the happiest scene because actually our world is frustrating and broken and things don't quite go to plan. And it's just 
that is reality, isn't it? And it's really reassuring to me that in the Bible, we have a picture of that reality. And there's no polish. It's not kind of put on your best front. It's just kind of stark. It Mm -hmm. is what it is. And I love that because it helps me see that God does get it. And it isn't too far removed from what I see in front of me. And so it makes me want to read this book for wisdom because that's what it is, isn't it? It's wisdom literature. And as we see that our reality is captured in these words, I think I'm more persuaded that I want to hear the wisdom for this world in front of me, which we're going to get through Ecclesiastes. And I think similarly, in that, death and eternity have been really ringing out (laughs) from Mm. the book, which does shape how we view the here and now. But in the midst of it all, the word enjoy is Mm. repeated again and again. Like the book rings out with enjoyment, which is so surprising because... When you first read the book, and if any of our listeners have come across this book before, you read it and you kind of think this is a little bit depressing. Hmm. But actually, if you read it again and again, the word enjoy and this idea of gift, like God's gift of life, it really does kind of begin to surface. And I think it's really amazing, isn't it? I think the repeated themes of death and joy and how they go together. I think it's going to be quite exciting kind of trying to wrestle that through um, because I think I think our culture doesn't really do that. I think our culture says, enjoy life now, don't think about mm. death and the future and eternity. Whereas, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this perspective is different to what our culture says. Let's go back to the idea of asking questions because actually the preacher asks lots of questions, doesn't he, in the book as he goes through um, what kind of Felicity? Give us a flavour of what kind of questions he's asking as he walks through this this book. Well, in the first chapter, like, and I think this is a really key verse for the book as a whole. Chapter one, verse three, he he says, "What's the point of life and all of this toil?" And that's the thing, isn't it? Life can feel like toil, and so what is the point of it all if it's fleeting? Like what, what is the point of it all? And then he goes on in chapter two, verse three, he says, what is good for us to do in this life under the sun during these short lives that we have? Like, what are we supposed to do right here, right now? And I think those two questions are really helpful, which then helps us to then think, okay, well, what, what are, what is it to live life in this world, which we can't control? I think that's Mm. a big thing that comes throughout the book is God is most definitely in control. We're not. We can't decide when we're going to die, when we're going to, you know, we can't. There's a, um, which verse is it where he says, it's in chapter one as well, um, you can't make crooked paths straight. Yeah, verse chapter one, verse 15. Yeah. And that's just it, isn't it? Like, so if we can't change anything in that sense, I can't change the, my, the course of my life. Mm. And what do I do? Yeah. What, what other questions would you add into that? Yeah, big questions. Yeah, there's definitely that kind of how do we live? life in that world that eludes our control doesn't it um i think there's there's very heartfelt questions about how do i reconcile the brokenness of this world what i see in the stark reality of injustice and oppression how do i reconcile that with my experience and my faith in god what does that look like i think it's very real and raw questions um kind of halfway through the book and i i really appreciated that even though it feels 
yeah, it was kind of hard questions to ask, um, but we need to ask those questions, don't we? Um, mm. What does wisdom look like? What does it look like to live wisely if death could be around the corner, if we are facing it, whether we know it or not, or we don't know it, whether we, you know, we're unaware of that i think i think what's struck me probably most um which he doesn't he doesn't voice this question but i think this the whole kind of the kind of tenor of all his questions seem to be how do we live life in a post genesis 3 world how do we live life after the fall uh where we're not yet in heaven um like what does it look like to live and navigate life in a broken in a broken world and how do we kind of navigate that tension between now and eternity um and i feel like that that is something that just keeps coming through um really yeah just all really relevant questions aren't they i think this book the teacher who's writing it is posing really relevant questions like they land in real life Mm. so so those are the questions that the, the person writing the teacher is posing how about questions that we want to be asking ourselves as we go through this book together? What questions have have popped up as you've been in it? Do you want to give us a couple? Yeah, I think that's that's a really helpful question as well. Like, what, what how are we going to come to this book? Um, I think one. I wonder whether our questions need to start with a, a bigger one of what's my heart posture going to be towards listening to these words of wisdom. Uh, because quite often, as I've read through this uh, this summer, I felt like, oh, this feels uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. this feels like something I don't often engage with. Um, and I guess the one of the one of the questions I need to keep asking or we need to keep asking ourselves is, where is this uncomfortable for me and why? How am I tempted to pretend that this just isn't a true view of life and reality? Yeah, like... What is it like to actually sit under these words and to heed this wisdom and to be prodded in the right direction? Am I willing to let this book do that for me so that I will live more wisely? Um, Yeah, that's the kind of the way that I've been approaching questions that I need to work through. Yeah, that's quite a good kind of thing, isn't it? Am I am I willing to be prodded? (laughs) (laughs) That's like the tagline for the book. Am I willing to be goaded? Which comes with discomfort as well, absolutely. And I think a part of that discomfort and the tension lies in the fact that we have this futility and fleetingness of Mm. the world in which we live, but then also this idea of deep enjoyment of the things of this world that God offers us, like that he gives us this gift. So what do you do with what we've got in front of you while mm-hmm. also holding it in tension with the fact that it is not going to last. Yeah. And I think that is an ongoing, on the ground, like what does it look like then in terms of work, in terms of family, in terms of marriage, in terms of just like going about our daily business. I think it really, this book really lands in our everyday. Big time. And also bigger questions as well. Like where is Jesus in all of this? Like, how do we see him? How does this point to the glory of Jesus? Like, I'm excited about kind of getting into that and just starting to grapple with that question because it's not wholly obvious. Yeah. <laughs> that has been the thing we've been batting back and forth, isn't it? Have you found him yet? <laughs> um, but then the bigger question of, okay, am I ready? Am I ready to face death and eternity? Like, this is a book that is saying, 
it's it's there for your preparation. It's there to make you ready. Um, so am I am I willing to kind of face that? Um, so yeah, Felicity, as we get this book open, I guess one of the questions we need to ask ourselves, um, and for listeners listening on, is why should we get this book open? And I'm particularly thinking of the people who are going through a really hard season at the moment. And maybe there are layers of grief that you're wrestling through. Maybe life is just really, really tough and you're exhausted in, in, you know, for many different reasons. Do I really have the capacity to open up a book that's going to be a prod at this point? Like, what would you say to that person who's kind of thinking, oh, I'm not just not sure whether this is the right thing? Um, mm. What's what's the wisdom there in opening up Ecclesiastes or choosing to do that with us this season? So it's a good question, isn't it? Because when we're in that spot, and whether that is a long-term spot or just how we're feeling today, doesn't feel very appealing to open up a book that's going to kind of prod you and make you feel uncomfortable. Hmm. I think that what we have in Ecclesiastes is a very real picture of life with the pain and the grief encompassed mm-hmm. within that. And and that is a reassuring thing. That is not said without compassion. That is not, I feel like the level of empathy is high. Mm-hmm. Our world is being kind of understood. And as we read this, I think that we, in our brokenness, feel a bit more understood. I remember actually my husband and I, we were having a bit of a rough just time in life like four or five years ago and we were on holiday to try and recover a bit and we were reading Ecclesiastes and I remember a friend saying are you serious are you reading Ecclesiastes like surely that's going to depress you more but actually in the midst of grief this is uplifting I would say because Mm. it puts everything in its right place and there's a time for grief for tears but there's also a time for seeing in its right perspective where where is god in all of this like what is it to live in the light of eternity i don't know i feel like i'm not quite no i think that's really helpful um and i think yeah there is a real there is a there's a pastoral comfort in reading this isn't there um it doesn't mean it's going to be easy it's not going to be i don't think it's going to kind of come with your succinct pithy verses um that you can kind of take away and memorize straight away and a lot of it can feel quite confusing and there's poetry and there's mystery to it. But I think also that can be a comfort as well, that that kind of just mirrors life. Um, not that I'm always breaking into poetry in life, but <laughs> <laughs> the you irony in that though. is that I love poetry and Sarah's not that enamoured with it. So I'm excited really. for the poetry, but <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> what I would say in it is that um, I think there's no better book to then open it with someone else. Um, and wrestle through these questions with someone else. And I know we say this at the beginning of every season, <laughs> and this is our kind of thing that we kind of, uh, ba- you know, bang the drum on, like get the Bible open with someone else, study this with someone else, and you can wrestle through those questions together wherever and however you're feeling. Um, I just think this is a priceless opportunity to do that, whether that's over a voice note, whether that's over a cup of tea, whether that's just a phone call every couple of weeks, just making the most of that opportunity. Yes wholeheartedly go why don't I pray for us as we kind of begin to think about getting into this book with that other person (laughs) let me pray father god we thank you so much for your word thank you that it is living and active and we pray that as we open ecclesiastes we pray that you would 
give us soft hearts to your words, that we would be willing to sit under this wisdom and help us to have eyes that are open, hearts that are eager to know you and to walk with you wisely as we get into this book. Pray that you might give us that other person to to read it with. Um, But Father, we ask that you might bless us as we're in Ecclesiastes. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Felicity. Well, I am excited. If you're going to join us, we really hope you will join us on this journey. Do try and have a read through of Ecclesiastes um, before uh, we get stuck in in our next episode. And particularly as the end really does help shape the beginning um, as well. And um, you can find more information about our season on our website, twosistersandacupoftea.com. There are some resources there for you. And we really look forward to getting stuck in next time. We'll see you then. Absolutely. See you then. Bye-bye. This season is sponsored by tenofthose.com.